afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is the last one before we close out the year and a really nice one with a gentleman called Matt Bonnell who approached me via social media. He runs uh, Revenge of the Riff events and uh, manages and, and plays in Last Reserves. He's a bassist. And he was exactly the type of person, I'm going to say this uh, within the podcast itself, but he was exactly the type of person that I wanted to talk to. Um, at the Revenge and Riff events, there's been some fabulous ones, there's some really nice ones coming up, and he makes some announcements as well on the podcast, which is very grateful that he did as well. But Matt's got a really interesting perspective. He's purely a fan of music. It really comes through. A huge fan of music. And it was interesting to see how he translated that to being as a band and then being a promoter of music as well. And some advice to people who wanted to do that and wanted to become a promoter because there's people out there like, oh, the scene's not very good or we don't like what's going on there. I never really do anything about it. And Matt basically got up and did. And, you know, and, and really as a promoter, he's, he's incredibly sort of... Uh, thinks about the, the the bands that he puts on, thinks about what he would like to see, and he goes and gets it done. And one of the things that's hugely interesting is any money that he makes from the show is, uh, after the, 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 the higher fee, just gets split amongst the bands. He makes no profits. There's no financial gain for him here. There should be. The guy should be getting some kind of money. He should be. But there's no financial gain on his part. He divides it up and gives it to, to the bands. He's one of those guys out there keeping the scene alive and we we go into this as well and i just thought it was a really nice and positive one to end on on the year um i hope you enjoy it i'll i don't really want to i try and keep these intros as, as short as possible so you can get to what you want to hear but this is uh was recorded in the jacaranda where some of the revenge at the riff events uh, are happening and it was just a really really nice sit down with, with with a great guy with a with a great attitude and really believes in in music he's really kind of wants to seek out new music and support existing music as well which is absolutely fabulous a really big part of what i'm trying to do is that as well so i'll speak to matt again i think and i'm going to be going to some of the range of the riffs shows as well especially the, the bigger one that he's announced because i think i think there's some great bands playing so yeah please you know have a have a, have a great uh new year whenever you're celebrating it and i'll see you in 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 the next year in the 20s are we going to be is it 2020s are we going to be calling it the 20s who knows who cares no one really and um, this is a wonderful sit down with uh, Matt Bonnell. So yeah, thanks, thanks for sitting down with us, Matt, in, in this little alcove at the bottom in the in the basement of the Jacaranda. And with uh, I'll do I would do I've done an intro picking you up and, and your your accomplishments before we got into this. So yeah, no, thanks for thanks for getting in contact. And naturally, like I said, you are exactly the the person that I want to talk to. Thank you. A promoter, a musician, very much ingrained in the scene, and yeah. um, it ticks all the boxes. So you, thanks very much for, for giving up your time. Like around Christmas is always. So it's tough, and it's really difficult to start these things proper, other than to say kind of like you know, where did you, where, where was your first music come from, and what are the first things you're hearing as 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 a, you know a kid, you know, or even further beyond maybe. Uh, I was very young when I, I can remember what it's pretty much my earliest memory. Right. Uh, it, I think we were going to see my sister. Okay. Because she was when she was being born in the hospital. Right. Uh, and I'd only been about three at the time. Mm. And I can remember distinctly listening to ACDC's Back in Black. Yeah. And I remember asking my dad, I was like, who's that? What is that? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's it. I, you know, my dad's yeah. a massive, massive rock fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves all like sort of classic rock into sort of thrash metal, but nothing more beyond Metallica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he got me into all that. 
So is it like it was on the car and he, you would hear it when you were travelling with him and he would always have tapes, I would imagine tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah tapes at the time. Yeah, yeah. But the first one I can remember was... Uh, you, see, you see, that's a good first on. album, that, isn't it? Like, yeah, I think it was like a, just a mixtape of ACDC. Oh, but he, he had just various ACDC songs, but, but Back and Black was, was... But that was the one I remember. Yeah, there seems to be a running thread from the people I talked to who were, uh, who were kind of like lifelong fans of the music is that originally their parents were rockers as well like there seems yeah, to be my, a bit of that my dad, my dad plays guitar as well he doesn't yeah. play it so much anymore because yeah. he's a, like a keen amateur photographer yeah um, <laughs> so when you were hearing this you were like he obviously it triggered something you were like I really like this don't know what it is did you then go back and he must have had a record collection oh, as well a huge and you just dove player. into that Scrooge McDuck style like you well, know? as I've grown up I've kind of like Picked and right. got everything out of it. There's, there's like, honestly, bands from like A to Z. It's yeah. like, it's one ridiculous. side of the room to the other. It's wow. huge, this record. So, did you, where, where did you start? Did you go with ACDC and you go, okay, I, like, I know I like ACDC. I'm going with that. Let's let's pick up, you know, Let There Be Rock and let's go all the way back. And well, I was only like really young at the time. We're only talking about like three years ago. Oh, okay. This point. Wow, okay. He's like that. Okay, um, right. But my dad, I think he saw that, you know, oh, he's into mm. this stuff. He, he must be rubbing the his lights hands. come up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can remember him showing me things like Pink Floyd and, right. and Motorhead as well. Sure, sure. Because I've got like this little disc because I'm like a massive Liverpool fan as well. Sure. Uh, he ended up putting like, you never walk alone at the bottom. And then he like filled the rest with like... The music you put from Carousel, you never walk alone. The, the, the song, or he just, did he just write, you'll never walk alone? No, no, no like songs. Jerry and the Pacemakers. He, he put he it, it, oh, right, he, okay. he got it from somewhere and then put it on like a, he made me a CD. Yeah, yeah. And it had full of like Motorhead ACDC. Oh, I love that. So your dad made you a mixtape of what he yeah. thought you might like. Did he, do you think he maybe was backdoor on it as well? Do you think he was like, I know he liked this, but I'm just taking a couple of tracks he needs yeah, to know. I think there probably was a couple of tracks on there. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually needs to hear Pink Floyd. Yeah. yeah, I actually found it the other day. Oh, it's it amazing. In the, well, it's, it was over the summer when I was sorting the, the loft out. Mm. But it's a picture of me when I was about five, when I went to uh, school dressed as Noddy Holder. Out of the, <laughs> yes! A slave. <laughs> That's amazing. I remember my dad was like, say, he told me, like, said, you know, I, I really kicked off at the time because I didn't want to get dressed into it. But when I look at it, I thought, yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. He's like, uh, so it, was he playing as well at the same time as you were listening? Do you, was he playing guitar as well? Was he in a band or was he just... No, my, my dad's never been in a band. He's right. always been like, he just has a guitar and just messes around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did it come from being you kind of started to, to actively sort of listen to, I want to actually listen to these things now and go and se- seek them out? I can always remember listening to the music and having like, because I had a small CD player at right. home and I always remember like, go and grab me something off the shelf that I liked. Uh, it used, used to be I'd hear a track and then I'd, it'd be on repeat for, for probably a few weeks yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then start listening to the albums Sure. and it's sort of around like year, when I was in year five, year six Okay. that I really started listening to albums and then my dad, my auntie couldn't go to a show with my mum and dad to go and watch Def Leppard oh, right. and they took me with them. So well, how old are we now then? We, what are we looking I'd have been about nine or ten. Okay, and that's, that's an arena show I assume? In the Apollo in Manchester. Oh, in the Apollo, okay. right. And it, it had the darkness as the support band. Okay, wow, okay. Uh, and the only thing I can remember was how bad Def Leppard were. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I bad? I don't know. Just, are you, you listening to the album? I'm thinking what was out there. Was Hysteria out there about that time then? Are we, are we around that? 
No, you passed I, hysteria. No, this is like in two thousand and five. Oh Jesus! Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm only twenty four. See, so. I, I I date everybody because I'm so old. But yeah, so I mean, I'm talking. Yeah, so you you even passed adrenaline and all that, aren't you? Even yeah, yeah, yeah. And you. So what we did? You listen to the new stuff, or were you still listening to the old Def Leppard? I remember my mum because my mum's like a massive Def Leppard fan. Yeah, and she gave me like this DVD with like all their videos on, uh, well, music videos. So I watched it, yeah. and that's like that was my prep. Right, to go to the show, and it wasn't anything like that. Like, did you, did your mum like Def Leppard? Did your dad like Def Leppard? I think. Did they split? Was it one of those bands that split them? I think my dad got my mum into Def Leppard. Oh, yeah, okay. Because my dad's into all sorts of Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But he thought this might be accessible, and I can. Yeah, because my mum used to listen to like the hits when she was growing up. Sure, sure. So I think like Def Leppard had their own sort of number, well, not number ones, but. They were fairly, they crossed over to a certain degree. They were almost pop in in some senses. Like, so do you remember like the the house lights going down and that coming on? Did you kind of, did that trigger anything or did you just, did you think it's just not a very good concert? No, it was them. It was their performance. Like Joe Joe Ellis' voice was just like not with it. It was awful, right? Yeah. So I thought, and that wasn't actually my first introduction to live music because I'd I'd seen, my parents took me to the, I don't know if you remember, the tent that used to be on. The tent? I think it was like Summer Pops or something. Okay, I remember Summer Pops, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was like, you're talking around about 2000, 2001 at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They took me to watch the Australian Pink Floyd. Oh, there? okay, yeah, that's the old boy coming through with that, isn't he? He's like, come on, you're going to see Pink Floyd, we'll take you to see the Australian Pink Floyd, yeah. And I was literally, I literally was about five or six at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, uh, But yeah, the first proper one that I remember it was Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah, So then when you go from like, you see seeing that and you, go, you come home and you think, you know what, that wasn't that great. Did you find yourself gravitating to certain musics not necessarily band but did when, when did punk come in then and when did punk metal come when did he come around the same time punk came, punk and the metal came in a bit later right because uh, again my, my dad and my auntie were going to watch motorhead in 2006 sure sure uh one of their support bands had a great name um who was that they were called uh what they called <laughs> they, they, they're Coming to crucify you, Barbara. Are they coming to get you, Barbara? Is there something? Cause no, it's a, no, they're local seen, Yeah, I was going to say, it's a local band. It's a punk oh, band, oh, right? Or oh, something called Crucify You, Barbara. <laughs> okay. My mum's name is Barbara. <laughs> so that's what made yes. it more funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Clutch were the other support band. Oh, okay, and yeah. That, that got me into Clutch. Ah, yeah, there's your Clutch right there. Like, and yeah. obviously Motred. But my, my dad and my auntie were going, and they were like, oh, do you want to come as well? Because right. I already liked a few tracks. Yeah, yeah. And then that was it. That was, that was, the, that was the moment that, that kicked me in, even though that was only a what, year. What, what was it? Was it the performance? Was it the songs? Was it the, the vibe and the crowd? Or was it or a mixture of all of them? Like? I think it was a mix, because really, at this point, I'd just started high school as well. Okay. And Hugely formative time from a musical sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... I'd had the ticket months in, a, months in advance, so I'd started listening to more and more Motorhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad was like, oh, you might, if you like this, you might like these. Sure. So then you start listening to like Judas Priest. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, other bands that are Saxon. And like we were talking before we came on air, then it was, you get the wonderful uh, punk was, was, was like, okay, well, hold on, we like Motorhead. It's meant to be metal, but it's not. We, the punks like it, and the metalheads like it. But it's kind of, it was kind of that touchstone for everybody to yeah. kind of get into. And it was Motorhead again that got me into punk a bit, because yeah. the Damned were supporting Well, Motorhead. that's it, yeah, that's, you would go from that, and the Damned, yeah. and, you know, Captain Sensible and stuff like that. You would, you would, you, off you fly then, don't you? You know, you yeah. can fly to a whole, yeah, so you, did you find it more, you, did, so Motorhead's the touchstone. And then did you did you did you feel like they were your band? Was that was that very quickly becoming apparent that they were like you know your favourite band? Trevor, my favourite, but still are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to see them seven times. I yeah, think yeah. I just kept going year after year. Yeah, I just, yeah. just love them. 
and and it's and it's interesting like you know the those formative years in high schools particularly is when everybody's favourite band no one says I've, I've had a favourite band for 20 years and then switches yeah. it, it stays with you that would be you know? Motet would be my favourite band for, forever yeah <laughs> and I think it's, the, it's with Motet certainly and some of the, the, like, the bands have been on for a long time it, it, it's, it's also not only just the music but it's the outlook and, and their opinions and, yeah, and how they definitely. present themselves as, a, as we were talking about before I thought Levy presented himself as an individual his beliefs and what he, you know, what he stood for you know and that must have been extremely formative for you when you were, were growing yeah, up yeah because you yeah. see some of these rock stars and you think like you know I wouldn't like to meet them yeah. you know Levy was one of them people you thought you'd see interviews with them in like YouTube or in magazines you'd think he actually seems like just a well. Nice there's that wonderful thing in the um, in the Lemmy documentary where he goes in to see James Hetfield, who is many people's Lemmy, yeah. you know. And he goes in, he hugs him, he goes, "Are you all right, son?" And it's like there's probably no one on the planet that could say that to Hetfield. Yeah. And then Hetfield's talking about, it, he's like, "I've never seen him drunk. That he's like out of never seen him say anything stupid. Never seen him act any stupid." And you think. That's a really high bar to, to operate your life. Everybody's done something silly. Everybody's got drunk. Lemmy was like, you know, never said anything stupid, never said anything at all, backed up, Fusey. And that must have been like, you know, is, that, is it at this point that you pick up an instrument yourself then? Yeah. You want to make it, your own music? It was around sort of that time uh, I, I started getting into sort of thinking, okay, this is something I want to do. Right, right. Because um, I play bass, but I, that wasn't originally the first instrument I went for. Right, because my dad played guitar as well. My sister started learning how to play guitar. Okay, and it kind of came from sibling rivalry. That sure, because she was playing. I was like, I want to play. As well. I would have thought without you telling me, I would have thought it would have been Lemmy. Lemmy plays bass. I'll play bass. It wasn't yeah. that. It was more of a okay. And I, my dad was trying to show my sister how to play guitar, and she was getting right. it, and I was trying to do it, but I couldn't get it. Oh, okay. I was struggling, and I was getting really frustrated. <laughs> my dad has this nineteen sixties Burns bass. Okay, and he said. Have a go at that. Have a go at that, yeah. And two strings less. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and been playing bass ever since. Wow. So that's what, probably around 2006, 2007. Did, you, did, you, did that kind of inform the people you listen to then as well? Because if you're playing bass, you're thinking, I'm going to listen to bassists or bands that have, you know, bassists as the front. And certainly Lemmy, obviously, to, to bass sound all of his own. But did that inform to what you listen to as well? Or was it the other way around? It does now. Right. But not so much then, because right. at that point I was still listening to bands like Moed, and then this was like Jews Priest, Saxon. Yeah. A lot of it come from the support bands I was seeing, because I used to go to a lot of gigs. Yeah, yeah. I still do. Well, you know, Moed had this just this wonderful habit of bringing on really great support. Seems very good yeah. too. I'm sure. I imagine Lenny has a stay saying that, like you know, and, and that's come. That's kind of was used to be the whole point of a support band is that you would go to see a band. And it would backdoor, like I say, another band that you never, you wouldn't pay to see. You, you know, oh, actually, these are amazing and open up the, yeah. and these would offshoot to other bands, and that's how it would work, you know. And it was a fabulous way of, of kind of, you know. I think about when you talk about Judas Priest. I think about uh, when Pantera were first going out. They went out with Judas Priest, you know, Painkiller tour. Yeah. You know, they first went out with them, and you know, Dan Bank used to talk about it all the time. Phil still does about how they properly took them under the wing, like you that's know. It. Some of the bigger bands, if they take a young band under their wing. Yeah, you think about how I made and treat their supports really well, like you look after them and that type of thing. And that's the, I don't know if that happens in other musics. I don't know. I don't know enough about pop to say that the no. support act gets looked after the same way. The metal is still like there's a community fraternity community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when did you you start playing bass, and when do you think to yourself, I'd like to play bass with other people? Uh, probably about 10 minutes after I picked up the bass. <laughs> yeah, this is great for a lot of people. Because I had friends in school right. who, were, who were musicians as well. 
and I quickly said to them, I said, guys, I said, start playing bass. Do you, do you want to have a job yeah, at lunchtime? Because yeah, yeah. the music department in our school, they were, they were great. He's, right. He'd let you bring your instrument in and just jab at lunchtimes. Sure, yeah. So I, I, rounded, I rounded up a few of my friends who I knew could play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and we, we did. So what did you do? Was it covers? You, you at just the time, around? yeah. That's the Ace of Spades, yeah. I think we did that, yeah. It was like it was still a few, few, yeah. few uh, ACDC covers as well. Sure, sure. And did you like? Uh, where, what? How did were you sort of ingested music at this point? Then, were you were like, were you buying your own albums now? Were you list? How were you taking this in? This was two thousand and what? This would be about about two thousand and seven. So we're talking the internet ish. Uh, we're yeah. talking maybe Napster and that type of thing. So it is. There's a way of getting music other than listening to what your dad's telling you. How are you? Are you still? Are you going out and buying CDs? Are you going out and buying your own records? I now? was. I was buying some, but I'm mm. still largely like going through a lot of stuff that. You know, my dad because he has such a vast collection. It sounds it like it sounds like he has a hell of a collection, like yeah, you know. So huge. we and so that's pretty much how you were ingesting it. Then you were taking them from that. And um, I, was, I was reading like Metal Hammer magazine as well. Right, right. Up bands from that, and I, you know, I still actually still read Metal Hammer. I still sure. find like really good bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting there is uh, what I was leading to is that you're still looking, which I think is fabulous. You know, yeah. that some people go, okay, well, there's nothing great coming out anymore past. 2015, 2010, there's nothing great now after like whatever. And I think that's extraordinary that some, you know, a lot of people have that point of view. I don't, so I'm like yourself, constantly searching. There's so much good there's, stuff. Exactly, yeah. Especially in the local scene, like one of my favourite local bands, uh, Dead Rebel, they brought out an EP yesterday and I've had it on in the car coming here today. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, because why can't a local band or an unsigned band create great music? Well, exactly. You can't yeah. recreate it if you're on a label. You can recreate it if it's if there's some gatekeeper says it's it's credible. It's nonsense. It's, it's nonsense. It, no, it's nonsense. Like there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, well, Mozart, their first album, they didn't make it to make loads of money and 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 make some kind of statement. They made it because they just wanted to do a load of bunch of songs and put it out. In fact, they did that with every fucking album. Yeah, there was no the, pretension with it. There's one thing with Lemmy that sticks with me. Well, while I play with my own band, he said like you know he doesn't. They didn't make music for the people. They made it for themselves. Yeah, and if they were happy with it. That's great. If that other was people it. liked it, it was yeah. a bonus. ACDC is another perfect example. The same ACDC album, all about slightly changing throughout the years, but it's the same ACDC it's album. The same album. They, they perfected it. Why, why mess with that? Yeah. So then you kind of play with these other people. When did you play in front of people, like like an audience, where there was someone no, listening not, to? For, not for a long time later. Oh, okay. This is around 2007 when I was playing with other people. That only lasted for about six months. Right. And then I was kind of just doodling around at home. It wasn't until I got into co to, well, to college uh, that someone said to me, you know, I have a band. Right. Uh, we need a bass player. Oh, so they recruited you? Yeah. Right? Well, so what was this band? What were they called? They, they were called The Core. The uh, Core, as in C-O-R-E. But they were more like a sort of cream, sort of Rory type. Okay. Because I do like that sort of... Yeah, there's some connections. The blues rock connection, it's there. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing a few practices with them but, sure. they, but they were like but at the time I was doing loads I was really busy outside of like college yeah. and I think they were like okay you haven't got enough time for us so they fired me and then I got like really angry oh right okay and I was like I'm not sticking for this I'm going to start my own band fuck you okay don't like it's, it's the mustain factor yeah, <laughs> yeah. like Lemmy it's out of Auckland yeah yeah yeah. he goes back and sleeps with everybody's girlfriend and falls <laughs> fucking motorhead yeah 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 so yeah I, 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 I started a band with a, with a guy called Jack, who was one of my friends. So, in what school. was this band then? This was called. This developed into the band that was 
precursor to Last Reserves, which okay. is a current band, which we called The Occasion. The Occasion. I, I'm a huge name. fan of first band names. I've heard some absolute... The Occasion's not bad. It sounds like the wedding <laughs> It sounds like a wedding band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of formed that. Were you writing your own stuff at this point? When no, we were okay. playing covers at the time. And it was um, like blues rocks covers? Or was no, this, this heavy point, side? this point it was getting into classic rock. Okay. Me and Jack, like, classic rock. And right. He's not really into metal, but okay. I am. Yeah, so, um, it comes in. Slowly. But we, we kind of mixed in the middle. And that's when the punk covers started to come in. Right. Uh, we're doing Sex so Pistols and Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, and then what, what was it mainly British punk or was it did you go over to the US type of thing did you, like the misfits and that type of thing did you look at that that didn't come until later on until we were in last reserves but right. like at the time it was sort of like Sex Pistols the Damned uh, Jack liked Green Day and all that pop punk kind of stuff I'm not yeah, into yeah, the yeah. pop punk kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. I'm more into like the you find yourself more grounded with the English stuff like which yeah. some people believe is the first sort of gestation of punk as well and that's probably very true but yeah I mean for me like we were saying before off for me my entrance point was like Black Flag and Fugazi and things like that yeah. were kind of where I came into that and then realised that obviously there's a ton of fantastic UK punk bands like you know um, so when did it get to the point where you start to write your own material? Are we still are we close to that? Or are we still further from it? Just before Last Reserves formed, Last Reserves formed in January twenty fourteen, uh-huh. and that's the band you're in now. That's our yeah. current band. Yeah, sure. yeah. Me and Jack, who's the guitar player, uh, we wrote a couple of songs in the old band, right. and then the old band, a couple of members left. So we were like, "What should we do?" And we end up hiring a singer, uh, and then we went to this practice place where we were looking for drummers. And they were like, okay, our guy who sits on the desk plays drums. Sure. So we came and played with us. Yeah. And then we started jamming out a few songs, mainly covers, but then we started writing our own tunes. So did you start writing yourself? Was it, was, was, was it, was it a group effort? Or were you going, okay, guys, I've got these ideas? Or? It's mostly... And I think that's what I love about our current band, is like we write it together. Sure. So somebody might come in and say, I've got this riff from Peace home. Piece or whatever, maybe, yeah. And then we'll work on it. I mean, I could sometimes come over and like, like I'll... Uh, I'll just jam it out on, on my bass and then I'll be like, well, that sounds good. And I'll record it on my phone and I'll send it into our group sure. chat. And they're like, yeah, this sounds all right. Or they'll say, no, that's absolutely great. <laughs> I love that, that like, that's probably the thing that's helped. Technology has helped the music thing is to be able to sit and record a riff on a thing and then send yeah. it as a thing. It's like, it's brilliant. So handy. You know, it's brilliant. It's probably helped in you know, writing music more than anything else. So then you kind of, are you playing locally? Are you playing... When, what, when, when you're playing shows now where are you playing and we're talking about like 2015 2016 sort of time yeah when, when the, I mean our first gig was like in 2012 right. at, uh, in a local pub in Ashton but for last reserves we started off around Liverpool first gig was at Zanzibar right 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 under uh, Greedy Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, and we were always like around Liverpool doing like different little places um, but sort of now we, we, we go all over the place sure I mean our first gig next year is in Ireland right because there's a wonderful um, there's a wonderful punk scene at the moment so it's, there's yeah. a ton of festivals I've seen some I've seen uh, Bike Back only recently and, and, so, and some fantastic punk stuff going out yeah, there like, like there's some great people with like who were in the DIY sort of promotion yeah, yeah, scene yeah. who are really keen on pushing punk at the minute in Liverpool there's a guy yeah. called Joe Norton from a band called Red Winter he's, he's been a really good friend to us for, for quite a yeah, few years yeah. now and he runs the Liverpool punk rock all day yeah. at Studio 2 there's some fabulous stuff going on at the moment I think it's almost like it, I don't want to say resurgence because that's not true it's never gone away but 
I love that DIY aspect of it, like, and I love the fact that that's now really prevalent and it's like seen as a positive, not as a negative anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good coming from it, especially band. What I love the most is that bands are like looking after each other. Yeah, I've noticed that quite a lot. Like, yeah, from everything from promotion to other shows running, who's, do, who's doing the sound and, and you know the allocation yeah. of time and stuff like that. Which which brings us, you know, quite neatly on then to you you start then promoting or becoming a promoter, if you will. You know, yeah. Why why make the, why make the leap then? Because that's a big leap. You know, it's it's an investment of time. But why do that then? And what was the factors that led to that? Yeah, because I'm massively into hard rock. I love yeah. like hard rock bands. Uh, but playing in a punk band, it was great. And we were putting on our own shows. Uh, and I thought, I thought I could probably do this myself, because some of our members were in university, so I was having more time on my hands. Sure. And I was seeing we met all these bands who were really good, but they just weren't being put on the same shows. Right. And I thought, I, thought, I wouldn't mind doing that myself. Okay. Uh, there was two shows that, that really sort of led to me go, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. There was Dead Rebels single launch in EBGBs last year and the Metal to the Masses final last year. Sure. Um, there was loads of bands that I realised, I thought, I've got to get these on together. Right. So I thought, right, I'm doing it. And yeah. I thought, I'll take my skills from sort of doing the shows that we do with Last Reserves. I thought, I'll try it. I thought, if it, fa- if it fails, yes. you know, I can say I tried. But yeah. So I put, so I got in contact with the people at Maguire's uh, and I said, can I book a show for August? Um, and they were like, yep, yeah, sure. So I booked it for August and there's a band called Raised by Wolves. I know Raised by Wolves. And they're fantastic. Yeah. Exactly what I love about hard rock. And so I bought them on as headliners because I've never seen them as headliners before. They'd always been like first or second. Right. I thought, right, I've got to get these guys on headliners. And then I booked a couple, couple of other bands. The, the first band I booked for like the first slot was a band called Dome. Okay, I recognise them. Uh, have you heard of Maroon? Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like that. Oh, okay. Um, but I booked them. I saw like this poster for this place in Skem that we used to practice at, and they were doing yeah. like a. It described such a sludge metal night. I thought, ooh. <laughs> so I thought they were the headliners, but I couldn't go. Mm. Or I think I saw the poster afterwards or something. Mm. So I, I googled, well, I, I Facebooked them, and I, they had like a 25 minute like Facebook live video. Right. But the video was pointing at the floor. Oh, okay. And all you could hear was the noise. The noise, yeah. And then like 10 minutes in, there was like nothing. Then, then the noise started, and I was just like, wow, yeah. what is this? I couldn't yeah. even see them. So yeah. I messaged them, I was just like, I said, I thought I'll put them on. It's a, it's a risk, and they turned up at Maguire's, and the, the guy turned up in his small Astro van, and he pulled out this huge Ampeg bass. Oh right, camp. Ampeg, yeah. And he, I was like, oh nice bass amp. I said I use Ampeg as well. And then he went, oh no, this is for my guitar. And I was like, okay, this is okay. what we're not doing for us anymore. <laughs> so we set it all up, yeah. and they were just blew me away. Yeah. And there was a nice sort of audience building. Right. And then I had White Mammoth on. Well, that's fantastic. I've talked about them before. I will get them on the show. I've talked about it before. I cannot speak highly enough of them. I think they're fantastic. I think they're fabulous. I think they're really, really interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, their new single just dropped, hasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. In fact, I've been sent it, so what I might do is I might put it at the end of this episode if I remember to do that. Yeah. But they, they're fabulous. They're, 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 you know, when you go to see a band sometimes, uh, it's, unfortunately, it's the, it's the music critic in me that it used to be. I sit there and think, well, I'll probably do that. And I, I look at them and I think... Done. Stand yeah. back. They're done. They're they great. just need someone now to pr- pr- produce them, put their records out there. That's it. They're done. There's not. I can't add anything to that. It's it's done. You know. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. 
They're so, really good. So it seems to be you, you, you book on the principle of what you like, which seems which sounds like a, a crazy thing to say, but it seems completely logical. Yeah, and it, I think most of the shows, it's kind of like I've booked bands that I've... Not all, not all the bands I've I've seen, yeah. But most most of the headlines I've had so far I've seen, and usually bands that make me go like like draw to the floor like sure yeah. yeah. Um, and I never do it for any money. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like. Well, it's interesting. I think it's interesting you say that. Like, so you know, Matt doesn't take any any payment from this. He's not. There's no financial gain to what you're no, doing I, I just at all. Some people would say that's a, extraordinary. Some people would almost say that was a silly thing to do. I disagree with those things. I think unless there's people like yourself, um, to quote the priest, as I always do, as a defender of the faith, yeah, these things will not happen. They, no, they just I, won't I, happen. I saw a bit of a gap in the market because there was loads for like metal yeah. and there's loads for like rock, but I was nobody seeing like those sort of bands that's with those, a, those big riffs. That's a really interesting thing you bring up there because we were doing it at the Liverpool Metal Conference and one of the things that got brought up was the elitism in metal. That somehow there was a division within that scene that if you were in a black metal band that you didn't play on a show that was a rock band, that you didn't play on a show with a, a, a grind core band, that you didn't play it on with a thrash band, yeah. that, they, that those things could not exist in the same room. Now, if I remember rightly, on the uh, Revenge of the Riff, the last show, each band was pretty seismically different. Yeah, um, I, 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 usually, think. I usually go for like hard rock, but I usually like to have a bit of. I don't like every band to sort of sound the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, going back to the first show, you like Dome is like an instrumental, like, yeah, Doom, just yeah, instrumental yeah. Doom, really. And you got White Mammoth who like thrash and then Race by Wolves, so like, sort of that hard yeah, rock. Yeah. Do you think that's maybe then the, 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 some promoters are sometimes a little scared of that? Do you think, okay, we're creating a night and this night is labelled this black metal, thrash, grand or whatever it may be? That they go, we, we, we've got to keep it the niche. We can't go out the box because it will wreck I think what the night is. I think you've got sort of two, two different. So you've got like that, where mm. you've got like those bands, you have to be like Sandal like that. Yeah. And you've got like the complete opposite where you can go to like Zanzibar on like a Thursday or Friday night and you're like, yeah. like an indie band on and you have like a um, rock and then yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like acoustic acts and like, yeah. I, I wanted to take the bands that are sort of playing in either of those and go like, yeah, you can come and play my show because it's like, a wide regular bit of rock but it's mainly just based around what I think is interesting as well is that um, you've we were here at the Jack where some of the shows have been but uh, you, you, you kind of do shows all over right it's not like and one particular venue all the time I'm mainly based here I did right. start at Outpost well yeah. at Maguire's then yeah. because that's where Last Reserves had had our shows and I, I knew right. the people who were there um, but then they cha- they closed for a bit and changed hands that's right yeah um, and the, the the higher cost went up by 100 quid yeah and i was like it was all right for my band yeah because we had the funds there but like for me because i'm not making any money out of it i was like Ugh. so i moved here to the jacaranda yeah which is a great space we walked around before it's uh it's perfect it's it's literally perfect because you can get what i don't know the cap down here what 60 70 maybe 70, think, 70 yeah. people in here that's gonna look like the end of the world with 70 people i think, in I think the most i had was was uh I had scare tactics and Reaper on. Yeah, they're like joint headliners, and then I think it was October. I had them on, and with all the bands in, because they all stuck around to the end. I had four bands on. You must have had about sixty people in it. Yeah, it was like sardines. Yeah, and that's that's how a, a scene is created. It really is. Those that's how they gestate in a smaller venue and then moves up to to a larger one. What to as a promoter? What challenges does the do you face in the city? Is it is it 
is it an advertising thing? Is this, do you, does the city even support you in any way? Do you find anything? I think one of the biggest challenges is just trying to get people in. And I think one thing that drove me to doing promotion in the first place, I was because in Last Reserves we were playing in a lot of shows where you'd get booked by a promoter and they weren't promoting the show. Right. So one of the things I wanted to do and say, like, you know, if I'm going to do this, mm. I need to get out there and say, so, people, this show is on. Yeah. Put so, posters up. So, so what? 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 Because for, for for the average person who doesn't who doesn't understand promotion, they would just they would maybe just see it as well. You just put a post on Facebook, and as in reality, we know that that is simply not nowhere that's, near the level of promotion it requires. That's just a part of it. Yeah, you've got yeah, to get yeah. out and put posters up in the venue. You've got to go out and talk to people. Networking is such a massive part of everything, and I, I talk to as many people as I can. Yeah, yeah. and tell them about shows and. Tell about what I'm doing. Is is that then the, the fundamental biggest challenge? Is literally just getting people to know that it even exists. Yeah, I, I mean Liverpool's like my favourite city in the whole, whole of Britain, but I find with music, like trying to get people in, yeah. is like more difficult than anywhere else. I, why do you think that is? I mean, we've played in other. I mean, we've we've played in a little place called Whitchurch, I and then and then you'd have like the room would be full, mm. and like there'd be barely any promotion for it, and then yeah. we've played like we're playing in Clayton Moors on Saturday. Like these small places, isn't it? Full yeah. of people, and even in Manchester. I mean, I know Manchester is hit and miss for yeah. for shows uh, down to our size, but even venues we play, you get a good crowd. But Liverpool, I, but I feel with Liverpool is you can get people in, but you've just got to push it. Right, and that's one of the biggest yeah, things yeah. I try to do with Revenge of the Riff is to push it, yeah. tell people about it, get get the word out. I mean, it doesn't always work. You can't get it out to everybody, but I try to think, you know. You know, you've got to think outside of Facebook. You've got to think, you know, the, the whole world isn't on Facebook. Yeah. You need to tell the rest of the world about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like. My, well, I mean, my look at like some of the history's examples. Look at Seattle. Seattle wasn't before the whole grunge movement a real kind of hive of music. Then you have a movement with Soundgarden and Alice in Chains yeah. and Nirvana, obviously, and, and the Dwarfs and bands like that. And then suddenly it becomes this mecca. It. it Places don't start that way. They have to have a they build up. A build yeah. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think then, I, I see it all over in, in multiple genres of music, where people um, the live show they just don't. You know, we always I always bang on about you know, going to a live show and supporting your scene. Is it apathy? Is it that people don't care, or do people don't want to come to a show? Is it is, what is the reason? Is it just they don't know? Is it what is it's it? Hard to, I think it's hard to pinpoint. I think sometimes mm-hmm. it is like because there is. I think Liverpool is, a, is a pretty much a, a bit of its own success, really. Because you know, many ways, yeah. uh, but I think there's so much out there. I think sometimes you know things clash, and then mm. I think some people. I mean, I know some of my friends won't won't go to some of the small shows. They're like, oh, I don't want to pay a five, and I'm like, well, well will you pay seventy five quid to go to an arena? Isn't that yeah, crazy yeah. that like you won't pay a five when the average pint probably costs what four pound and yeah. uh, you know and, and a coffee costs about the same, but they won't pay that to see artists. I know uh, I, it's unbelievable to me. It's just crazy because like even like the bands that they'll pay like seventy to hundred pounds to go see yeah. will want that. Is it maybe is it maybe the guarantee of 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 success? And what I mean by that is that if you pay a hundred pounds to see Metallica at DO two or whatever, you know what you're getting, you're in safe hands. Yeah. The, versus playing paying a fiver to get into a show that might not be very good. Yeah, I think sometimes people think, is it, you know, are all the bands going to be quality? But isn't that that, it doesn't that, I mean, that almost is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's almost like, the, if, okay, 
I, nothing pleases me more, and I'm sure you said it the same way, that going to a show of a band you've never heard before and then blowing you away. Yeah. Best thing it. ever. I love it. When you go, what? How many albums have they got out? They've got four. Shit. I need to listen to them <laughs> yeah. now. You know, it's like, I did, like him. Maurice a perfect perfect example of like a band of like how are these on my doorstep and I've not heard of them before yeah. it blew my mind I was like I, I live here and I consider myself fairly involved with the scene how have I not heard this you know and it's I don't know like, there's, there's an element of it being that there's a there's a lot of people shouting there's a lot of people a lot of voices and it's hard to shout within that that most people's consumption is via streaming services that are based on algorithmic concepts and, and, and mm. wouldn't allow that in and I think the only way we break that is to is you know it's like we text people every day now rather than having a phone conversation. Yeah. You know that's why something like this we we've been texting each other and that's great but we're not it's all superficial. You know until, until we sit down and you and I understand what you're talking about you understand what I'm talking yeah. about then it becomes something deep and meaningful. You're only going to get something from seeing a video on Facebook of a band playing. You know, I'm sure when you watched Dome, that first video, you're like, this is amazing, but I'm sure when you watched it in a live context in a group buzz, yeah, you, you, can't, get, you can't get that experience until you, you're there yeah. and you, you watch We're it. being told, maybe, and I'll venture forward and say this, that we're being told that you are, that watching it on a TV screen, a tiny TV screen, or a tiny phone screen, if you will, is the same as, and it isn't. No, it, it, it frankly isn't. You can't, you can't get the same experience of being in there, watching a band. And, and for me, certainly with punk and certainly with metal, it's the replication of, of at any minute something can go wrong. Yeah. Do you know the, 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 that tension that that creates? Especially sort of this level. I mean, at, at arena level, like, you know, you've got like, loads of like, techs who can run out and like. Everything's been pushed to perfection. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like here, like, you like bands are like. And the things that have gone wrong at the Revenge of the Rift shows, yeah. I mean, Dome, I had them back again earlier this year, mm. and the, the guitar player was so into it yeah. that he was headbanging so much that I think he destroyed something on his, on his board. <laughs> and I he, love that. And he was just going into a huge breakdown and he used his guitar and nothing came out of the amp and we were yeah. like, what? no. But that's, we're talking about that now. That's, that, was, that was now a thing that happened at a show and that, like, like, like Zappa would say, would, is digitally stamps that show to be completely unique from every yeah. other show. Everybody always looks at the video that Hetfield fell over when he was playing Tab of True, the thing where so-and-so did this wrong. Everybody wants to see that. They, those are live. That, that yeah. is part of the live experience. I think, I think I like it when bands are sort of human. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because I saw ACDC uh, in Hamden Park a couple of years ago and they were just a, a machine. Yeah. Like, and yeah. The, same, the same with Muse, when yeah. I saw them in Manchester, they were a machine, and I just thought, hmm, maybe something that's missing. Something. I remember seeing the video for Let There Be Rock, and, there's a, like a, a, and it's mixed with Into the Space with documentary footage of ACDC, and it's Bon Scott. Yeah. And I'm a huge Bon Scott fan, as everybody is. And I think it's during maybe the first or second song, and he, he, he like, he's jumping around because he's Bon Scott. And he kind of like squats and jumps up again. And you realise he split his pants. <laughs> but it's in Paris. And it's live. And it's being filmed. And he just gets over it. And I was just like, I love the fact that, I love it when it goes wrong. Almost as, love, as much as I love it when it goes right. You it know? just shows that it's real. these people are human. You know, you know it's real. We've, uh, we've pro-toolsed all, all, all identity out of instruments. We've, we've, we've produced stuff to within an inch of its life to, yeah, to take think, everything out of it. You I know? think that's what's great about punk, like especially early punk. You can hear the mistakes in it. And that was one yeah. of the things that one of our singles, we, we released a single in 2017, 
and we sent it for a review and they were like, it sounds too processed and it sounds really plain to a click and it, there's like no mistakes on it. Yeah. And we were like, okay, but it changed our outlook completely. Sure, Because sure. we now like go and do it live. We don't, like, yeah. so me and the drummer felt we go and do our bits first. Right. We don't play to a click. We, we play it like we do live. Yeah. And then the guitars come in. We do. But Alice, our singer, we put her in a room, we put the headphones on her, but we whack the, the volume up so it's screaming. So she yeah. has to put earplugs in. Yeah. And then uh, she has a handheld mic and runs around the room. Yeah. L literally, like she's on stage that. and she's jumping up and down. I love that. Because why, as we all know, the greatest bands of all time are the best live bands. Why not? Why would you want to take something like ACDC or Motel or whatever it is and, and change the way that they record? Yeah, Surely you, you just want to capture you that. You want to capture yeah. that live. I know that's one thing we've tried to do. We've tried to capture that mm. live element. Yeah, I it's that I, thing, that, that tangible thing that that's jumps off the record at you, like, you know. Yeah, and then Clutch have done it as well. Yes. In the last few albums, they yeah, changed their, yeah, their approach yeah. of recording and it sounds fantastic. I was listening to the they come with Fortune and Son recently. Yeah, it's great. And I was it? like, that's fantastic. You know, you can hear the sweat and, the, 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 you know, you can hear all that stuff going on. I think that's fantastic. So if I'm sitting at home listening to this now and I'm like, I quite like the idea of becoming a promoter. What do you what do you what do you say to that? Like, you know, what advice do you give, and would you do even even suggest doing it in the first place? But what advice do you give? I th yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend it to people. I mean, if you if you're into music and you're into like the Liverpool scene or wherever you're from, or you're into your local scene, you know, find a venue that you might know or the people might be friendly and let you use the room for a for a cheap price. Mm. Uh, but get bands on that obviously you know that you might not necessarily pull people in because you know mm. at the end of the day it's our job to try. And, Get the people in. Yeah. The band's only a part of that. Yeah. Um, but try and find a venue that will be helpful. Mm. Find bands that you know will support it. Um, that's one thing I always like look out for. Bands that I know will support yeah. it. Yeah. Working as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you've really got to put your time into it. Mm. It is. It is time consuming. But if you if you love it, you you, it, I'd say go for it. Yeah. When it goes right and when it's show. Is 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 great. It's it's you remember that forever. Yeah, remember forever. I mean some of I mean some of these nights have like completely surpassed my expectation. I think we pretty much every one it surpasses my expectation because I always go in thinking like, oh nobody's going to turn up. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Doesn't every promoter? And then and then people come in and like they're like you're paying money to come. Yeah, this it's great. There's that wonderful story of Aussie uh, turning to Henry Rollins and going at uh, an arena show and going, is, is there anybody out there? Yeah, because Ozzy still thinks that maybe no one will turn up, and you're like, you're Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. crazy. I love the fact that you still think like, you know, wow, people have come to. That. I love that. What you don't, you, you you won't get it when you listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, is is Matt's lovely sense of wonder. He genu you are genuinely a fan. You genuinely are, you know, someone who loves to loves to see. So if I'm a if I'm a band now, what can I do to to a speak to you and, and make things happen but what can I do if a promoter comes to me you know if I'm a band in, in the States somewhere and I'm playing how do I what do I how do I approach a promoter what how do I make myself attractive to a promoter that would want to work with me what are those key I, skills I was actually talking about this with uh, a guy called Ollie he, he runs I know Ollie yeah and, Wigan and Heavy Metal for Wigan yeah, yeah. I have been quite I network with him quite a lot because he runs the same, he runs his nights. Yeah. He runs his nights the same way I do. I run mine. Like yeah. he, he gives all the profits to the bands like I do. Yeah. Um, and we're both saying, talking about this. Uh, if a lot of bands contact us online, right. through our Facebook pages or email or whatever, 
uh, and you'll get bands who'll message and say, uh, can I have a gig? But will say, won't give me a link to their music or they won't give a link to the uh, Facebook pages. Yeah. So, and then some guy uh, messaged me and said, how is the best way to approach a promoter? So I told him, I said, I said, well, first of all, I said, if it's you approaching us, make it easy for us. Right. Give us links to your music, first of all. I said, don't put Facebook links first. You, first of all, you're a band. You're not a social media page. Wow. Okay, that's a big thing, yeah. Uh, Glad you said that. Because I see a lot of bands on the Facebook, they'll put that about, they'll put links to all the social medias, and at the, the bottom, it's like a link to Spotify or SoundCloud, and I'm thinking, you're a band? Make the link to the music the first thing people see. Sure. And, uh, I mean, I've nothing against bands who, who message me and say There's an element to that, sure, but I understand what you're saying. It's like, surely... If you're uh, if you're uh, it, like sort of stock and trade is producing music, the music it's should go come top first. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why would it? Why would they not? Because I, I like bands who message me and say like, like hi, we're so and so. Like here's a link to our music this song, and then they'll give me like a quick bio, like saying what they sound like, and then there'll be links to where I can like watch on YouTube or their Facebook yeah. pages or whatever. Do you find yourself listening to the, uh, the tracks, or do you find yourself looking at the live? stuff that they do is there a leaning either way I always go for if there's like links to music whether it be on Bandcamp or Spotify or whatever I always go for that first right and I ever listen to a couple of tracks yeah uh, I always listen to them through because I don't like to listen to like 10 seconds and go, and go like no I'm not having you've that got a, if you've it's got a progressive, progressive metal band you can't give them 10 seconds you no, can't do you, that yeah. you've got to grow properly listen yeah. and then what, if I, I think okay I think these guys uh, will do well mm. I'll go and watch if they've got any live footage sure and then sometimes bands message me and they might not have any music out yet. Yeah. Uh, I always say, like, if you've got any live footage, put that first if you've no music. Right, right, right. Because um, I booked a band for March right. and they've, they've not got any music out at the minute, but they sent me their live track, well, live recordings on YouTube. Mm. Uh, but it's just about making it easy for a promoter. I mean, if right. it's me contacting them, then it's like... So it's slightly different. You look, I've seen stuff before, yeah. Then yeah. I've got to like sell myself to them. So I'm a, I'm a young band, and I go, and I show you the music, and and you go, okay, well I like these songs, I like what you're about. Let's get you on on the whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they turn up uh, in, in forms of etiquette. And when a band comes to a show, what are you looking for? What makes a band easy to work with? What are the pitfalls to avoid? You know, if you if you're a band starting out, right? I, I usually communication is the biggest thing for me. Right. With a, with bands. Like, cause I always send out like a, a, a document okay. that has like set times, what time to turn up and what gear they need. And it, uh, to quote Family Guy, it grinds my gears <laughs> when <laughs> bands don't read it. Yeah, yeah. And they turn up and go, oh, can I borrow this? And I'll yeah, say like, yeah. you know, it did actually say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you'd have contacted me in advance and said, can I use this? I'd have been like, if I've yeah. got it, that's sound. Yeah. But uh, communication is the biggest thing for me. So when bands are late, I like, you know, Sometimes, you know, if they can, if they drive, that's fair enough. But if they're going to be like, you know, let me know. But uh, thankfully, most of the bands I've had on, they've mm. been really sound, turned up on time. And if not, they, they've messaged me. or uh, And then they come down and then I, they're usually great. I usually tell them, like, where I want the gear. Because I'm, like, very specific about where I want gear in here. Right, because we were talking about shifting gear around and the circular motion and stuff. Yeah. Taking for coming off and on stage, yeah. Because it's quite a tight space for, from a gear perspective, like, yeah. That's interesting. So, when um, when they kind of what ultimately is is success for you with with Revenge of the Riff? Is it a case of 
it's nice that it stays in the small venue of the Jacaranda. Would you want to do it as a? Would you do a Revenge of the Rift festival? Would it? Would you well, want to run up? there's. The, we're actually doing an all day. Oh, hey. Next year. Okay. I've, I've. I had the idea a while back. I thought it'd be really cool to get all the headliners. Yeah. I've had on. Yeah. Put them on in one giant show. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I thought. But I was dead nervous, I thought, oh, I'll never get enough people. And then I thought, sod it, I'm just going to do it. I love that attitude, I think it's ace, I and think it's brilliant. It was actually a punk band called Crap Sons. Okay. And they were doing their own, they did it in phase one right. in August. Sure, yeah. And it was sort of seeing that, I thought, well, if they can do it, mm. I can do it. I love that because here's what's interesting the most of all, is that you see that and you go, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Someone will be listening to this now and go, if he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And if that's how good If you've got that love for it, you just yeah. do it. You go all the way back to that kid sitting in the car going, I really like that music. Yeah. I can make that music or I think I can make the approximate that music to someone going, you know what? Someone can do that, I can do it. And that's incredibly empowering. You know, I, I like I said, you know, thank you for your service for doing this because some people just sit there then and go, you know what, the that scene's terrible and that's it. Yeah, Whereas I mean, you've gone, oh, the rock scene's terrible, or the punk scene's terrible, and st- and it stops there, where you've gone, you know what, that's not enough, I'm going to go out and, you know, like you say, you don't make any financial gain from this, you know, some nights it's harder than others, and you go out and do that, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm 100% certain there'll be someone listening here now going, you know what, I reckon I could do that promoter game, I reckon I'd They should do it. it, they should definitely do it. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's a very unique and special thing, and I think that's probably how we're going to, raise the, the, the game of, of, of metal and certainly rock and hard rock music within within our, our city is, is, is doing that, is empowering yeah. people and telling people that it actually can be done. Yeah, and especially like, and one of the biggest things I like about Revenge of Riff is I always see the band smile. Sure. Because sometimes you can play for a promoter and you, you just don't get a warm feeling from yeah, them. Because yeah. I've played for loads of promoters <coughs> with the last reserves and you just come away thinking, yeah, I didn't like that. yeah. And you shouldn't come away from a show thinking, I didn't like that. Yeah. You should always, like, I always greet the bands, you know, I always go out to try and help them load their gear in. Um, I'm not one for sitting down and doing nothing. So, so we're, 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 we're sitting here now talking, there'll be a lot of bands listening. Who were kind of, what are you looking for next? What are you looking for? Are you going to do a night where it's a particular style? Are you looking for particular bands? Who are you looking to kind of I always now? I'm, I, I'm, any sort of hard rock and metal, or just anything to do with hard rock and metal. Because one of one of the things levelled against the scene was there wasn't enough places playing that type of music, and I disagree with that at the time, and I disagree with it now. I think there is. I think we just need to put that word out there. I think, I think, there, are there, are some there, are, I think there needs to be more promoters as well who, who will take on that, like like what me and Ollie are doing, yeah. taking on them hard rock and metal bands. Because I mean, you've got here, you've got Outpost. Uh, I mean, my first show next year is at Outpost. Sure. Um, I, I, I suppose one of the questions that kind of comes up is then, if you could start to make a financial gain from this, how does that change what you do as well? Do you, do, would that allow you to do a bigger venue? What would what would change with that if you could make it financially viable for yourself? I think if Revenge of Rift, if I started doing like a lot more money, because my, my, my thing is I never think, the only thing with money I think about is, yeah, it's covering the higher fee. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Jack Owner have been really great with me because they've lowered my higher fee for next year because I use it that much. Regularly, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you've created, I, I only talking to your man up there as well, you know, you, you, you've created that, that trust and that respect. You'll put a show on, it will be well ran, 
well-respected show, you know, it will draw a certain degree of people, and that's a regular thing, and that can be counted yeah. on. I mean, the Jackaranda actually offered me free hire. Right. As they said, if you want to do it monthly. Yeah. But one of my big things is trying to get people in and quality. So I do it bi-monthly, mm. so every two months, so I can give enough time to promote it. Sure, sure. And get people in. Yeah. And a good amount of bands. I mean, Matt the Sideman, who was talking upstairs, I mean, he's great. Mm. He's really supportive of it. Mm. He's here early, he'll set up and... You know, some some sound people like you'll be a bit quiet, but Matt's like really good. He's involved. Sure, and, and I think that it sounds to me that it's it's something that's very much growing now. You know, you've kind of really kind of got a good sense of what you want to do. It's it took yeah. me by surprise, really, because I okay. did it. I did it just for the love of it. Right. That was my big thing. I wanted to do it right, and I wanted to do it because. Hey, I that's liked how it. like Bloodstock was started. Vacans. Yeah. These are all places that they obviously just celebrating many, many years of it. But they all started with someone wanting to hear the, the, the music they liked, and so then giving people a platform. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did a post a while back. Well, it was after the last show, just saying like, thank you for everyone supporting Revenge of the Rift this year. And I had loads of comments on it from like, especially bands who'd, who'd played, and they'd message me say like, you know. I mean, Raised by Wolves, I've had them on twice as headliners now, and they've cited, like, uh, it said, like, you know, they're some of the best shows they've ever played. And yeah. like, you know, it just w- warms your heart, really, when yeah. you hear bands say that. And sure. Most of the bands who I have on, are, you know, I don't want to sound big headed big <laughs> when I say this, you know, they have generally come up to me and said, these yeah. have been some of the best nights we've ever yeah. done. And, you know, it makes me think I'm doing, doing it right. I mean, I've still got loads to learn. I still actually read stuff to yeah. try and, uh, what can I do more? To yeah. improve the shows, yeah, because uh, I'm I'm never satisfied. I always like try to make them better each sure. time. So what's what's better look like now then? What what are we looking at? Are you gonna is it more people? Is it more regular? Would you do it as a weekly thing? Is it? You it's know? gonna stay bi monthly for the next year for 2020. Sure. Uh, I think my goal for 2021 would be to get it to monthly. Right. Uh, but I just want to see. What's yeah, sort of more. It seems like I, you, you still experiment with the process, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much a work in progress. Sure, but yeah. Th- I mean, I've got the the festival. I mean, that's going to be a big leap from anything mm, I've done. Nice. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so I've got I've got nine bands, at the Zanzibar Club on Fourth of July. It's a Saturday, um, and I tried to get all the headliners I've had on. Sure, but I couldn't get all of them on, unfortunately. Yeah. But most of them have said yeah, and I've pulled in a couple of bands that I know. Yeah. It's a band called Dunes from uh, Newcastle, okay. very much sort of Queens of the Stone Age, Caius, sure, yeah. and they're our headliners. I love that, I think that's, I think that's fabulous, and like, like I said before, you know, I, what, 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 you, know, you wouldn't really get the sense of this because you're only hearing our voices, but Matt's got that wonderful sense of uh, awe, he's still, you know, like... You're still that kid listening to the car, listening to you. You still are that kid. I still, I still love to find new bands. Your your offer offer would be nothing but proud of seeing that. Surely you know, it's yeah. just like you know the, oh, that record collection translated into you being a fundamental part of this metal scene. And I'm here to tell you that you are, and to thank you for your service, Matt. Well, thank you. Yeah, more than welcome. welcome. Uh, what a beautiful way to 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 to, keep, to, to close that off, like. I'll, I'll undoubtedly get Matt on again because I'm going to be at some of the shows, if not all of them, because of this. I've seen the lineups in the race. Um, certainly, that festival just sounds fucking brilliant. Um, and you know, as we've said, there you can go and listen back and contact Matt about coming on the show and do the things that he asked you about and try and be the the, the nice band and try and work well with it because um, Matt's one of those promoters that's doing the the, the Lem's work and you are doing Lem's work. Yeah, and that's what he would have wanted. Um, 
Brilliant. Thanks again, Matt. Thanks for being Thanks on the show. Appreciate you. it. Thank, Thank you very much. So that was uh, a little sit down there with Matt Bonnell. I think you'll agree, you know, that there's a gentleman that speaks from the heart and, and, and truly loves what he's doing and what he's trying to do for the scene as well. Interesting if he wants to become a promoter and wants to do that stuff as well. I thought he touched on some very, very interesting points there about kind of how to do that and how to actually put a show on and what it is actually required. Um, and sometimes it's simply a case of actually starting, not talking about it and complaining there's not enough shows on, complaining there's no places to bands for play, and actually just you know getting getting on with it and, and, and starting the process. And it takes a while and you have to keep doing it, you have to dedicate yourself to it a little bit. If you want something to change, you have to enact it yourself. So I thought it was a fa- fantastically positive way to end the year. Um, I hinted there as well that we... Uh, I, I obviously been to you trans of White Mammoth they I got sent some bits and pieces um, and they've released a, a song of well I say new it's, it came out I think in, at the end of October November called Blood Moon I'm going to put this at the end of the the, the, the podcast in a, in a moment but yeah if you have a have a have a great new year and this one interesting year that's gone before certainly an interesting one for a spoken metal show really kind of developed into something interesting now hopefully interesting i keep saying interesting a lot i've noticed that in the podcast it's interesting even like you know what does that fuck does that mean i think it, it, it i'm trying to make it important i'm trying to make it of use is what i'm trying to do here I'm trying to hopefully inspire people to do new things and involve themselves within the scene if you take anything away from what, what i'm saying i've been saying this year and you have like a resolution if you believe in, in that it's to go to more shows support more live music support more unsigned to form your own bands to become a protest to, to crew for bands to do all the stuff that makes the machine of metal move forward you know be a part of that become a defender of the faith and all the great things that encompass that as well so please have a great new year and thankfully one of my favorite bands uh, at the moment certainly one of my favorite local bands with some great merch that's not a hint at all <laughs> this is the fabulous white mammoth with blood moon